Okay, your Bible open to Matthew 24. Uh, Sarah has the special force tonight. We'll get into the preaching of God's Word. Matthew chapter 24, let me say something to you. I would pray that, that Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, uh, the messages and the teaching or preaching is a blessing, and there's some way that I can be a blessing to you. I can tell you this honestly. I want to thank the special music people that take some time with special music. You bless my soul. Uh, and all of these folks that are involved come early or stay late. 
uh, so that we could have, we don't have the special music program other churches have, but I thank God for this. I thank God, I hope that you can see this, that when the folks who perform special music, uh, they sing from their heart to the Lord. And I just thought, boy, this morning's blessed me, tonight's blessed me, and, and so if you have a part in the special music program, God bless you and thank you. And please stay faithful. Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. Bible study tonight. I'll try to do this as best I can to let you out near the 7 o'clock hours I can. Matthew chapter number 24. I want to speak to you about the signs of the time. The signs of the time. The second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is the major doctrine in the Bible. It is mentioned over 1,200 times in the Old Testament. And that there are over 300 direct prophecies mentioned in the New Testament that deal with the second coming. Matthew 24, I want to, we're going to read more verses than we think about, than we normally do. But watch this in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, somebody help me, and I know Brother Bliss and Brother Patrick and Brother Stephen and all you can do this, but let's have some other voices. Do we know how many years it took in the building of Solomon's temple? Forty years, didn't it? A long time to build this temple. And now the Lord is saying this, everything you see is going to be destroyed. It seemed impossible to him. Look at verse number 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilence, and earthquakes, and divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. What is the most hated person on earth today? Child of God. Christian. Because we name the name of Christ. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who it is that killed our friend, our Christian brother in Africa. But I do know this. They knew he was a missionary. They knew he was coming to spread the Christian faith. They knew he was coming to share Christ with them. So the Lord talked about that. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We'll talk about that, but he that in, shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That doesn't mean that we have a part in our salvation by working out our salvation to the end. That's not what it's saying. What it is saying is those that endure share testimony that they're born again. They're saved. All right? Verse number 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for witness on all nations, and then shall the end come. Father, help us tonight. Please bind me by your word and lead me by your spirit. I pray that we as God's people would be able to look all around us and understand that uh, the second coming of our Savior is, new, is near, it's imminent, and I believe, Father, it's soon. 
And it's not because of some of the signs we mentioned this morning, but those we'll study tonight and many others. And so help us to understand that we might share our faith with a lost and dying world. And Father, would you put on our hearts the idea of sharing our faith while we can, when that trump sounds. And the dead in Christ shall rise and the church is raptured out. Uh, for many, it'll be the last opportunity uh, to come to faith in Christ. So help us to understand tonight uh, what lies before us and may we understand the times in Christ's name. Amen. 1,200 times in the Old Testament, Christ's second coming is mentioned. 300 times, direct prophecies in the New Testament. Many people down through the ages have tried to predict the future and when Christ is going to come again. Don't ever do that. And listen, child of God, don't ever follow that. Just don't ever. One of the most famous books when I was in Bible college was 88 Reasons Why Christ is Going to Come Back in 1988. I'm pretty sure he didn't. <laughs> True story. Some of you, uh, Brother Mrs. Uh, Rogers and Brother Stephen and Miss Rogers and Karen and Rebecca. There's a professor at West Coast Baptist. He was a professor in our college in, in Hiles Anderson. And when he was, a, he's honoring now, but he was really honoring when he was in college, and they had on their dorm floor, this is one of those dorms that, you know, you could just look down the hall, a door, a door, a door, a door, and a central hallway, and they had a young man on their door that was just always doubting his salvation, always doubting his salvation, didn't know whether he was saved or not, and, and so this professor, when he was in Bible college, said, we're going to set him up, and so what they did is they waited till everybody went to bed at night, and they staged the rapture. Yeah, they staged the rapture. They, they went into the showers and they put all of their linens there and their towels and their bars of soap and water's running in the sink. And, and then they, somebody went to the end. They had a trumpet player on the end and he, you know, this is cruel. 11 o'clock, boop, 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 boop. And he woke up and he looked around. Nobody's there. And the room is staged like somebody got raptured and he goes down the hall and he looks in the other rooms and, and then he goes in the bathroom and he said, and literally, and this is Toby Weaver, Brother Weaver said, he went out into the hall and he looked up and he looked to the Lord and said, come back, you forgot me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Lord didn't come in 1988. He didn't forget you, all right? Be careful with that if you would turn up, leave a marker there in Matthew's gospel. We're not going to use a whole lot. We're going to primarily be in Matthew, but look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter, if you cannot turn, I will read uh, for us 2 Peter chapter 1, and look at verse number 19. And the Bible says there, We have a, also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. So don't follow that person that tried to put a date on the second coming of our Savior. One of the greatest chapters concerning Christ's second coming is Matthew chapter 24. Jesus here in this text prophesied of the destruction of the temple. And at the time that he prophesied, it seemed like it, there's no way that temple could be destroyed. Yet we understand that the Romans did destroy that temple some years later. When, now, I'm going to say this to you, Christian. Let me say this to you. As God's child, we need to learn more, learn to live more by revelation than reason. I'm going to say it again. We better live by revelation and not reason. Some of the things around us make no sense. 
All right, so let's look at Revelation. Look at verse 3. We'll break this down. I want to show you some things. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world. The word for coming, what are the signs of thy coming? In this passage, literally mean in the Greek to take over, to present, to rule, to reign. The Lord's not going to come and visit earth. He's going to come to rule and reign. All right? He came as the Lamb, John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God. He's going to come back as the Lion of Judah. All right? So he's coming. That word coming is very telling. When he comes back the second time, he's going to come as a lion. He's going to come to present himself to rule and to reign. The word there for world means age. What age are you coming? When are you coming to rule and reign? In Matthew 24, Jesus tells us of what the age will look like before his coming, his second coming, what the signs prior to his return will look like. Now, as we look at these, I want us to see that we're right in the middle of them. What will the world look like before Jesus comes again? Look at verse 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The first thing that we see, a sign of Christ's coming, is deception. Deception. Deceivers and deceptions are the mark of the last days before Jesus comes. I talked about last Sunday about Jim Jones and... Uh, what happened there? The people, almost 900 people were deceived. Amen. The Branch Davidians, uh, Davidians years ago, some uh, 80 to 90 people were deceived, weren't they? They followed a man and they were deceived. And in both of these cases, we look at even whether it's Sun Young Moon or some of these others claiming to be Christ and they deceive many, right? The child of God should not be deceived. But deception will be part. Look at John chapter 4, if you would. Leave a marker, Matthew. Go to John 4. John 4, look at verse number 1 through 3. John 4, 1. Now, there, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, then Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea, and he departed again and went into... This is not... This is not... I must need to go through Samaria... Uh, okay, we're not going to read this whole text. Do you remember what happens here in John 4? Christ meets the woman at the well. And he's going to introduce himself to her as the water of life, isn't he? But this woman was deceived by who she was trusting in. In John chapter number 4. When she met Jesus, the deception lifted. There are many antichrists in the world today and many who claim to be the Messiah. Deception is one of the marks of the second coming of our Lord. Jesus warned not to look for another Messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ, you think about this, the Lord Jesus Christ has already come in the flesh, has he not? Don't look for another Messiah. When I talked to you about this this morning, about that snake coming out of the wall in Jerusalem, the Orthodox Jews said this is a sign that the Messiah is come. And yet for the Jews... The, they don't understand the Messiah's already come. He's going to come back, but he's already come, but you rejected him. 
So don't look at a snake or a, a calf necessarily. Look, deception, antichrist here means someone who comes opposing Christ instead of Christ. That's what an antichrist is. We've seen many in this present age claiming to be the savior of the world. We need to know the truth uh, in God's word and stay away. So back to Matthew 24. Deception is one of the signs of Christ's second coming. There's going to be those that deceive. Number two, division. Look at verse number six and seven. And ye shall hear. Now, one of the, and I'm not the greatest, I'm not a Bible scholar. I study, I seek to have a good working knowledge of the word of God. But I was taught this in Bible college, and this is the number one rule of biblical interpretation. When the Holy Spirit has given his interpretation, don't seek one for yourself. You can see as we go down through these 14 verses that pastor doesn't even have to spiritualize these texts. That's what Jesus is saying. Be careful those that deceive you. Deception. Now look at these. Look at verse number, if you would, 6 and 7. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. I read this today before I came to church. In 24 hours, the state of California yesterday had 39 earthquakes. In 24 hours, along the San Andreas Fault, they call that the rim of fire, 39 earthquakes in 24 hours. We said this morning, the Word of God is more relevant today than the newspaper, right? Now, so we see deception. Now, division. Satan is busy dividing the nations of the world. Do you think for a second if, now watch this, if the church was raptured out and the Holy Spirit was not here, you think, how long do you think it would take for Iraq, Iran, oh, Iraq's not a whole lot, right, but Iran, Russia, how long would it take for them to charge against God's chosen people? No time at all. The nations of this world are aligned against each other. For centuries we have been plagued with wars. As we move toward the end of the age, we see increasing numbers in war and intensity. It is believed that half of all war deaths have occurred, occurred since 1900. Half of all war deaths have occurred since 1900. Now, I ask you this as we're looking for signs of Christ coming. Is there deception around the world? Yes, there is. Is there, we look at this, is there division? Are nations divided against nations? Our world is in a state, a constant state of division. Look at one of the minor prophets, Zechariah chapter 12. Go with me backwards, a few books. Uh, from Matthew, if you're there, go to Zechariah chapter 12. Look at verse number 2 and 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. When they shall be in, this, in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All the burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. The world today hates Israel. They do. Aligned against Israel. Syria, and I mean to say this to you, in Lebanon, you take all of those Arab nations that are surrounding Israel, 
And in an instant, there will be a light against Israel. Deception. Division. What is happening in and around the holy city of Jerusalem today is a fulfillment of prophecy. I'm not smart enough to say this, but I honestly believe that when our president was bold enough to say we're going to move the embassy into Jerusalem, I honestly believe that he was being led of the Lord to do that. The world marches against God's chosen people division. I want to show you this. Look at verse number 7 and 8. We've seen deception. We see division. Now look at verse number 7 and 8. All these, I'm sorry, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, disasters. In the world today, we're living in a time of unprecedented famine. And there's a lot of reason for that, even in America. But all around the world, we've abused the land that God has given us. The topsoil and the nutrients of the soil has been eroded. And the food that we... Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I'm not going to get creepy on you, okay? But when our scientists and our botanists, when they cross-pollinate plants, and we come up with things because we want a tomato to have the outside skin that cannot be uh, permeated by an insect. So we will cross-pollinate it, and we will do things. And watch this. And we're eating plants that are harmful for us. All plants are harmful for us, right? Asparagus will kill you. Sauerkraut's horrible. We went to Angelo's the other day. Who does this? Who goes to a pizza place? My family ordered on a pizza, Brother Colin, artichoke hearts. Why would you destroy a great pizza with artichoke hearts? I'm pretty sure they're not good for you. But think about this. I've been seeing this honestly. There's something to when you, and I mean this honestly, you'd be healthier if you try to do non-GMO. Serious. We have so eroded our, our structure that there are some diseases that are coming because we've not followed God's plan. Look at Revelation 6. Go with me, Revelation chapter number 6. Division, deception, disaster. Romans chapter number 6. And look at verse number 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. Wow. Now watch this. And three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil or the wine. Now, these are the seals that are being unraveled uh, during the tribulation time. And you think about this. Now, watch it. In the latter half of the tribulation, you're not going to be. Many will starve to death. I wonder today all over the world how many people are starving. We can't imagine that here in America. I hear a, a, a political ad saying that one in four American children go to bed hungry. And I'm not doubting that, but I don't see how that's possible in America. I just don't. But disaster. In today's world, we're living in an unprecedented time. Not only will there be famines in days prior to Christ's return, but there will also be pestilence. Now, remember this. When we think of pestilence, think of diseases. Think of diseases. Do we have diseases today that are so rampant? Our doctors, our nurses... Our medical profession, we cannot stay ahead of them. 
the Lord said before he returns that these diseases and pestilence, society is wrought with disease. There will be earthquakes in the last day. Mentioned to you, I mean, look it up yourself. I don't remember uh, what news source. I think it was Fox News. 39 earthquakes in a 24-hour period on the San Andreas Fault. They say now, now some seismologists are saying, is this 39 earthquakes in 24 hours, is that, you, you see this, they're saying that on that San Andreas Fault, there's going to be a mighty earthquake and half of California will drop off into the ocean. Maybe then our nation will go back to the right. I don't know. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. Uh, right? I've got friends I love in California. Right? Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse number 8 that all of these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now go back to verse 8. Watch this. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. I want to break down that word sorrows there. In this passage, the word sorrows literally mean birth pangs. Uh, Miss Rachel, Miss Rebecca, uh, these are the, the newest ladies. You can ask, but all of you ladies who've given birth, that's sorrowful, hun. Before that baby is born, there's some birth pangs. So the Lord said, watch this, when you see the deception, when you see the division, when you see the disasters, that's the beginning of sorrows, something is about to be born. And what is it? The return of our Savior. When we see these symptoms, we know that a birth is about to come forth. Look at the next thing in verse number 9. Deception and division and disasters. Look at verse number 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's not happening today, is it? Mm -hmm. And don't think for an instant that you are safe because you're an American. I mean this honestly. Uh, I, I have seen administrations turn their fury uh, loose on God's people. I'm not trying to get on your political, if you like this man, uh, and, and you voted for him. Do you know what Barack Obama said as a candidate? They cling to their what? Their gods and their guns. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do cling to my God. I do cling to my God. But that's, a, now watch it. And Hillary said this. What did Hillary say? What did she call us? A basket full of, she's talking about you. She's talking about a Christian. She's talking about somebody who would tell a young girl, you really shouldn't have an abortion. That's deplorable. Before Christ comes, we'll understand that defamation. Verse number 9, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be defamed in the last days prior to his return. The persecution centers around the name of Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be political tonight. But if you're a white male here, do you feel like you're kind of, I mean, every Hollywood star is coming out against a white male. It's not a white male they're, they're, they're after. They have no problem with George Soros. 
They have no problem with Al Gore. They have no problem with white males. They have a problem with white Christian males. That's where we're at. And the Lord talked about that, that that would happen. The persecution centers around the name of Jesus. Uh, John 14, 6 talks about the world does not mind religion, but it resists Jesus. You can have religion and the world loves you. The world is in love with Islam. The fastest growing religion on earth, the world is in love with them. So they don't mind religion, but what they do mind is Jesus. And a verse like John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, truth, and life, no man comes to the Father but by... They've got a problem with that. Don't you get so narrow-minded that Jesus is the only way. I'm going to make a statement. Check it out. I remember in Bible college reading about the persecution of our brothers and sisters during the dark ages. Polycarp, Huss, Zwingli, uh, Wycliffe, Tyndale, on and on and on. Why did they call the queen Bloody Mary? Why was the Queen of England called Bloody Mary? She made pits. She had what she called the Iron Maiden. Big rollers. I hate to gross you out, but big rollers with, with punctuating things that rolled. And a, they were put over a pit. And Christians literally were put on those rollers and punctured and dropped down into a pit. Bloody Mary. Can I make a statement to you? Check it out and see if it's not true. More Christians have died for their faith since 1900 than all centuries before. Our brothers and sisters are being killed in Muslim countries today. More Christians have died for they. We as believers in Christ can expect to be hated by the world for His name's sake. Let's go quickly. Look at verse number 10. Desertion. Desertion. Verse number 10. The Bible says, And they shall... And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. The son's going to turn against his father. The daughter's going to turn against her mother. The husband's going to turn against a wife. Because one is a Christian and one is not. When the persecution begins, true Christians will stand firm with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you study Christian, read Fox's book of martyrs. Read the trail of blood. Read the true stories of our Christian brothers and sisters who stood for their faith. Read about them. They stood. They talk about, they called them faggots, those, those pieces of wood dipped in a pitch-type material that went up to the knees where Polycarp is strapped to a pole and those faggots and that, that, that fire was built around him and they lit the fire and you think about not only is he burning to death but that smoke is coming up and it's choking him to death and Polycarp stood and he prayed for those around him that they might come to know the same Savior that he refused to denounce. Now Christ said in the last days it won't be that way. Desertion. When this persecution begins, true Christians will stand. Those who are not true Christians will leave their churches. 
We have many churches today full of empty people who have never committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They may have come to an altar and prayed a prayer, but they've never committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I am Now listen, Lord, I understand I'm going to be persecuted, and please give me grace to stand. Desertion. Look at verse number 11, disinformation. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. There's a difference between a false prophet and a false Christ. A false Christ is religious in scope who falsely claims to be the Messiah. A false prophet is one who speaks with authority who will become a philosopher of his day. We've got some running for political office now all over the nation and they speak with authority and they're captivating. Disinformation. There are many strident humanist philosophies in uh, philosophies in today's society. Humanism does this, stresses the rights of mankind, does it not? Stresses the rights of mankind. A true prophet stresses the rights of Almighty God. Let me tell you what's wrong with our generation. We have taught our generation for the past 30 years on their rights. You have a right to health care. You have a right to a job. You have a right to an abortion. You have a right. You right, 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 right. You have all these rights. Let me say something to you. The preaching of rights garners rebellion. The preaching of responsibilities brings revival. What we should be preaching, and even to our kids, is responsibilities. If you give birth to a baby, raise it. You got some responsibilities as a citizen, as a mom, as a dad. Take those responsibilities. And listen, our kids will respond to that. But the kids that are marching in Berkeley and marching and starting fires and free speech is not welcomed in campus, these are snowflakes that have been talked about for 20 and 30 years about all of their rights, and they're exercising our rights. What about responsibilities? Disinformation. We look at this, verse number 12, depravity. Look at verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Hey, I got a new something happened in America for the first time. We should. Two mothers, lesbian women, carried the same baby. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Never happened before. Happened last week in America. Where are we going? When we take down God's ideal of marriage, a man and a woman together, committed in love, rearing their own children, when we tear that down, then we fall prey to what the Bible's talking about here, depravity. With many false prophets preaching self-interest rather than the rights of Almighty God, we lose our moral anchor. I ask you this tonight, as America, as we're founded right now, have we lost our moral anchor? We've lost it. Why? We've been preaching rights for so long and not responsibilities. Our young people are filled in their head with their rights, their rights, their rights, and they don't even want to talk about their responsibilities. And so it is with the child of God. Now we have a generation that no longer believes in a fixed standard of right and wrong. 
Job 15. Look there with me, if you would please. Job chapter number 15. If you go on to the average college campus, high school campus, and you talk to them about right and wrong, pick any issue. Are the majority of those young people going to say, you know, this is right and this is wrong? No. Why? We have moral relativism, situation ethics, where our young people, we've devalued the things of God for so long, they have no moral compass. They don't know what's right or what's wrong. And I say this to you, what a wonderful mission field. What a wonderful mission field. Look, if you would please, in Job chapter number 15, and look at verse number 16. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. You think that describes America today? I do. Depravity. The word iniquity here is the word for lawlessness. Violence and lawlessness are the signs of the last days. Lastly, declaration. Matthew 24, look at verse number 13 and 14. But that he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And the go this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Here's one of the last signs of Christ's coming. The, the gospel will be preached around the world. There's a declaration here. It'll be preached around the world. This passage in Matthew 24 does not say that, and that was stresses, that we're saved because we endure, but that we endure because we're saved. Does that make sense to you? All of the other signs listed exist through the, throughout the age, but there's a coming special sign at the very end, and that is when the gospel is preached around the world. The ability to preach the gospel in all the world was impossible in the past. Can you think of this? I was thinking about this. Amazes me. And I, listen, I'm not a tech guy. I told you it, it was, swear how many years ago Josh go to college? Six? So it was like seven years ago. I've told you this before. Hey, Dad, get a phone call. Dad, you want a, want a cup of coffee? Yeah, Josh, always a good day when you have a cup of coffee with your son. He said, meet me at Starbucks. All right. We walk up to the counter. Seven years ago. Brother John, I do what we've done. Yeah, I know you're not my age. You pull out your wallet, right? Your money is in your wallet. That's your wife. That's your Mary. Huh? Now watch this. Money's in your wallet. So I go, oh, no, Dad, I got this. He never pulled his wallet out. Phone. Bing. I said, Josh, what did you do? What did, bing, what did you do? He said, I paid for a coffee. I said, how did you do that? Dad, it's simple. Come on. I heard an ad coming to church tonight. Do you know that you can turn your water on and off with your phone? <laughs> Not yours. <laughs> no. You know you can control a heater, your front door, lights in your house with a phone? Now watch this. The gospel couldn't, in the last several thousand years, couldn't get around the world, but it can now. There's going to be a declaration that's before Christ comes. Here's a conclusion. We can trust the word of God. Be careful with these signs. Many of you listen. I'm not saying that you should not listen to outside teachers or preachers or read their books. But I'm saying be careful. There's a lot of false prophets out there. 
We can trust the word of God. All of the prophecies and scriptures have either, have either been fulfilled or are being fulfilled right now. I don't want to scare you because it shouldn't scare you to think Christ is coming again. I believe this to be true. Brother Bliss or Brother Patrick, Brother Stephen, some of you men that may have studied this, Brother Josh, from what I understand, you know there's going to be a war with the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount. The Muslims claim it and the Jews claim it. From what I understand, the materials for the temple are on site. They're on site. So, preacher, what are you saying? I'm not looking at materials at the temple as a sign of Christ's coming, but I'm looking at all of these others and saying, this is what America and our world looks like today. We can trust the Word of God. All of the prophecies in Scripture have either been fulfilled or are being. Jesus is coming again, and the end of the age is coming. That birth pangs is happening right now. We need to be busy sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. As believers, I'm going to say this to you, it's not going to be enough just to come to church. You better learn to lean hard on God. I mean that. I'm not trying to get spooky on you, but it may mean that we'll have to understand what it means to pray for food. What do you do when you're accused and you stand accused because you name the name of Christ? Oh, pastor, that would never happen in America. Mm -hmm. It'll happen. As believers, we need to. And I ask you this lastly. Do you know Jesus personally? He's coming again. I love to talk about this when I'm out soul winning. I do. I really do. When somebody, I've presented the gospel, and they don't, they don't choose to trust Christ. I never push them. I always tell them this, listen. I'll get a first name. I said, listen. Jeff, you've let me share the gospel. I want to thank you for your time. Your time is the greatest thing you can give somebody, and you've given me that time. I would ask him this. Do you feel the need? To, do you feel something in your heart? You need to make that. Yes, and many times, yes, I do. Gordon, I do. Pastor, I do. He said, let me tell you something. Do you want to do that? No, I, I just not at this time. Okay, I understand. Let me help you to understand some things. I'm not going to pressure you because this is a decision you must make, but let me tell you three things that could happen while you're waiting. Number one, you could die. Once you hear the gospel, it's too late. You could die. Number two, you may never feel the same way you feel right now. Genesis 6.3, can anybody quote it? God said to Noah, my spirit shall not always strive with man. The only day I know that you can be saved if you want to be saved is today. And then I tell him this, I always leave this for last, and Jesus could come, and I say it with a smile. Jesus could come. <laughs> and I look at their face. Oh, no. <laughs> My goose is cooked. <laughs> huh? I was telling our Sunday school class this. Alan and Julie, this would never happen to you. Uh, Jeff and Linda, never happen, I'm sure. Go back to when you had teenage kids. Can you imagine this? 
Can you tell your teenage kids, listen, mom and dad are going to have a little romantic night out. I'm going to take her to a really fancy restaurant under the golden arches. I'm going to take her out. We're going to have a really nice night, and I'm going to take her. We're going to walk the river walk, and we're going to be gone about three hours. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to drive you home. We're going to drop you off. I want you to eat supper. you got an hour of free time. I want you to make certain your schoolwork is done. And I want you in bed at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. All right? And then he says this. He said, listen, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you on your electronic devices. I don't want you on your phones, your iPads, your tablet. I don't want you on any of those. I don't want you watching any movies. Uh, I don't want you watching any movies. And you lay out. Now watch this. And so you take the kids home. And you get in your car and you take your wife. And you're going to start this romantic evening. And you do what happened to me this week. I took my coffee cup in <laughs> to a place, put it on the counter and said, I want a medium cup of coffee with cream and sugar, please. And then I felt for my wallet. Uh-oh, bad day. <laughs> bad day, my wallet's not there. So you drop your kids off, and you told them all the things they couldn't do. I don't want you doing this. And then you go to take your wife, and you realize, I left my wallet at home. So you go back. The kids aren't expecting you, and you come into that door, and they're on their iPads and their iPhones, and somebody's got a movie downloaded they shouldn't be watching. Are they happy to see you or not? Jesus is coming again. What did he tell us? Occupy till I come. Stay faithful. I can't tell you when he's coming, and if somebody sets a date, they don't know. Save a preacher, they're really learned. The scriptures say, even, watch this. You remember the disciples asked the Lord, can you tell us? What was Jesus' response? Somebody tell me what Jesus said to him. Don't know. And even the angels don't know, do they? Huh? So the professor at the Bible college doesn't know either. Right? That guy you watch on TV, he doesn't know either. He doesn't. Child of God, here's what I can say. It's getting exciting. Now think about this. When my brother passed away, and I, I don't know, some of you, I guess as we age, this is way, I don't know, maybe we all feel this way when you get over 60. I was talking to my cousin and brought her some things back from my brother's house. And she made a statement to me. You understand this? She said, Gordon, there's so few of our family that I can turn to now to get answers for things. Somebody showed, showed me a picture of a family member. Who is that? I don't know. Let me ask. Oh, they're not here. Well, I'll ask. They're not here. You need to think about this as a Christian. I got more people on that side than I have on this side. And so the idea of Christ coming, I think, Lord, what does the Bible say? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus.